Dear friends in Christ, have you ever looked at lightning up close? Now, I think we've all seen it from afar, maybe even partially hidden by a cloud. But what would it be like to be up close to this lightning? It would almost certainly be blinding and hot. Probably even worse than the sparks from a welder's, ma- you know, a, when a person does electric welding, they have to put a dark glass over their eyes to protect their eyes. It's so bright, and I think lightning would be even brighter than that. Luke, but this is how Luke describes Jesus' clothes when he was on that mountain. It was as bright as a flash of lightning. Imagine that, how bright that was. And Matthew says, his face shone like the sun. Wow, what was that like to stand in Jesus' presence when he was like that? Uh, the sun, that's another source of light that you can't look at safely with your naked eyes. Jesus was here giving his disciples a look at a glimpse of himself, a look of who he really was. Let them see past the human form to, to see who he really was. Now, they couldn't say anything about it right away. Matthew had said, in Matthew records that Jesus told them they weren't supposed to. Luke, that doesn't say that. It's almost like they came down to this mountain and they just got, oh, nobody's going to believe him anyway. It's just not going to work. It's, how, how do you tell anything about it? But it was something that indelled itself in them strongly so that both uh, Peter and John would write about it in their writings later. And our account of this here, we're studying the account in Luke, and Luke's main source, according to most authorities, was Peter. So uh, this is something that really uh, affected them. Normally when you see Jesus, think of Jesus, you think of, I don't know how many people think of this picture. This is the traditional, was it Solomon that painted this? Uh, at least a generation ago, two generations, this would be the picture that people would have hanging in their living room. Maybe some of you still do. An ordinary human person. Or a more modern version of it, Jesus, again, as an ordinary human being. Um, And this is how the disciples saw Jesus on a day-to-day basis when they were following him, when they were learning from him. Uh, they knew there was more to him than what was visible. He had told them. They had seen his miracles. But they hadn't seen this, this uh, glowing uh, version of him. And they, even then, they didn't fully understand what they were looking at. But still, uh, what, they, <coughs> what we have here helps us see. Uh, Jesus is showing us how to face him, how to look at him as he stands on this mountain transfigured. So we look at this account in Luke in chapter 9. About eight days after whatever it was that happened before that, 
uh, he said these words, after he said these words, Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothing became dazzling white. Or in the NIV, it's translated as bright as a flash of lightning. So it was at this point in Jesus' ministry, we're not sure exactly when this happened, in the middle, maybe closer to the end. There's actually a lot in Luke that happens after this, but Luke doesn't always record things in chronological order. But Jesus decided this was a time that he needs to show these three men uh, another view of himself. So, so he led these three disciples, Peter, James, and John, to the top of a mountain. We don't know which one it is. Much speculation has been done. But it really is not important for us. And that's the way the Bible is. It records things that are important for us, for our salvation, not just the things that uh, satisfy our curiosity. He leads them on this mountain, and what does he do up there? He begins to pray. Now, that's a very human thing to do, isn't it? At least for people who believe, believe in God, believe that he will answer prayers. And that's what Jesus did. Um, this can even remind us when later we're going to see these three same three disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane while Jesus is praying and in terrible uh, agony, weighted down with the weight of sin, and he is praying. He needs to go to his Heavenly Father and ask for help as a true human being. And that's what he was doing here. So he had this Jesus, a very human, humble thing, praying here. Uh, and then, and then, uh, <clears throat> and then this strange change takes place. His his face changes. Luke says. Matthew says it shone like the sun. And these clothes they become bright as as lightning, dazzling white. These disciples could probably barely watch this. It was such a bright scene to them. What were they seeing? Well, they knew what they were seeing because they knew a little bit about Jesus. John would write later about this. We have seen his glory, the glory of the, one, of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. They knew they were looking at Jesus as the Son of God. Like I said, they knew this. Peter had already confessed earlier. You are the son of the living God. Intellectually, in their mind, they knew this about Jesus. But here they got a view of what that looks like. Now sometimes we don't really know a person until we see them in a setting where they really show themselves. My father-in-law was a Ford dealer in Juneau, Wisconsin for 37 years. It was a small dealership. But the Ford brass wanted him up front in a suit and tie selling cars. But he was at heart a mechanic. If you would go any day down to the garage, you would find him in his blue overalls. Like, this is not a picture of him. But <laughs> you would find him in his blue overalls, grease probably on his hands and on his, his overalls, probably coming out from under a car. Because that's who he was. He was a mechanic. And he loved to work on cars. He especially loved to work on trucks. 
Uh, and that's how he sold cars, was by the service that he gave. Different view of him than you got when you sat around the, living room, uh, the dining room table eating uh, supper with him. Uh, so you, that's how you got to know him. Now, uh, many of you, I know, are in the military. Most of you would, if you're in the military, you're in the Marines. But I, I can't really see that from here for the most part. But if I were to go out, you know, if it, could you do that, go out where you train and drill, maybe out into the field or a shop where you work or whatever it is you do. I was never in the military, so I don't really know this. I could really see the other side of you, what you really do, the training you go through, the, uh, the things you keep and repair and, and learn how to use and to, to defend our country, maybe even learning things like this soldier is doing here. Uh, it, would, it would be a whole different picture of you, wouldn't it? I'd see who you are in, in that situation. And so these disciples, even though they knew that Jesus, who he was, the Son of God, this gave them a real picture of what he really was. Um, he was, and still is, fully a true human being. Um, had to eat and sleep and drink and and rest just like you and me uh, <clears throat> until a, probably a year or two before this scene, you would have found him in a carpenter shop, probably, working like his stepfather had as a carpenter. No one would know who he re what more, more about him than that. And his disciples, as they followed him on a day-to-day -day basis, that's what they saw, a human being who sat down to eat with them, who had to rest sometimes, who uh, did everything that an ordinary human being does. But they knew there was more to him than that, but they hadn't seen it like this. Now, here, he was in his element. He was in his glory as the Son of God, um, in all his glory. And so the truth that these men learned was, or that we learn, is that Jesus shows his glory as the Son of God on that holy mountain. Then we go on in this uh, chapter 9 of, chapter of Luke. And just then two men, Moses and Elijah, were talking with him. They appeared in glory and were talking about his departure, which he was about going to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. So the experience of seeing Jesus in all his glory, that wasn't enough. Now we see two men appear with him, Moses and Elijah. Two of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, now they shared, kind of shared something that Elijah, he did not die. The Lord took him straight to heaven without dying. There's only one other man that was like that. It was Enoch that lived before the flood, and we don't know much more about him than that. But Elijah, we know, in fact, he's going to be the uh, topic of our Bible classes for the next few weeks. Uh, Elijah was a great prophet, preached in a very wicked time in a very wicked area of, of Israel. Uh, but, and then Moses, now he died, but he died on a mountain, uh, by himself, and the Lord 
buried him. And nobody knows, nobody knew then, nobody knows now, where he was buried. So the Lord took care of both of them, getting them off this earth. Um, and so if this scene weren't enough, Jesus in all his glory, these two men, and they're in glory too, but probably not like Jesus. Then they start talking to each other, and the topic of their conversation is somewhat strange. They spoke with him, uh, they spoke of his, that is Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish. His departure. He was going to leave. Now, what was that about? Now, Jesus had already told his disciples about this. He had told them that he was going to be executed, die, rise again, and then leave them, at least visibly. He'd tell them again, too. They didn't understand it. They couldn't accept it, but that's what was going to happen, and that's what Moses and Elijah were talking about. They understood it. Uh, they discussed it with Jesus. It was about, you know, Jesus was telling them. They, they didn't know the details, but they did, you know, so they talked to Jesus. Yeah, he's going to go up to Jerusalem, be handed over to the Gentiles, be crucified, die on a cross, be in a grave for three days and rise again and ascend into heaven and visibly leave this earth. And that's what they were talking about here. And in this way, Jesus was executing his mission on this earth to, to pay for the sins of all of mankind, to uh, give us uh, you know, forgiveness of sins. And this is what they were talking about. Now, when we read the Old Testament, you know, we, we know these things because the in the New Testament, it's clear. He, he suffered and died. He paid for our sins. He, he gave us forgiveness of sins. It's harder to see that in the Old Testament, especially for us. We're a long ways removed from it. We don't know the culture of the time. But Moses and, and Elijah, they, they understood this much better. Uh, from the very first, when Adam and Eve uh, fell into sin, God came to them called them to recognize their sin, and then made them a promise. There would be a descendant of the woman come and crush the head of the, of the serpent in the process, having his own heel crushed. Um, and so they would be rescued from, from the devil. Then God would repeat this promise to the patriarchs. He gave sacrifices Sacrifices that any believer that thought about it realized these sacrifices don't pay for sin. How can the blood of a, a goat or a, or a lamb do that? It can't. These sacrifices were signs, pictures of the true Lamb of God who was to come into the world, sacrifice, be sacrificed, and he would take away the sin of the world. Now, John the Baptist would point to Jesus and say, he is that Lamb of God. And for true believers, they understood what he was talking about. And Moses and Elijah did too. Um, then, throughout the Old Testament, the psalmist, Isaiah in particular, but all the prophets would, would talk about, expand on this, his suffering, his, his death, his resurrection. It's all in there. It's all enshrouded in the Old Testament. 
for the people of the day to, to believe in. Um, so in reality, all those people in the Old Testament, Moses, Elijah, and all those believers, were saved in the same way we are, by putting their faith in the Messiah Savior that, that God would send and has now sent, who would sacrifice himself, who would die, but then rise again. Um, that's, uh, they all were saved in that way. And so that's what Elijah and, I, and Elijah and Moses and Jesus were talking about. So that leads us to see that the truth here is that Jesus, as well as Moses and Elijah, talks about his death and resurrection. Now we come to a little kind of an interlude. Peter and those with him were weighed down with sleep, but when they were completely awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let's make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he did not realize what he was saying. Here we're a little picture of what, how not to face Jesus. These three men, they're weighed down with sleep. You know, as this is happening, Jesus is praying. Well, could be they were simply, Jesus is praying so long we don't have to pray that much and kind of fell asleep. Or it could be they were simply weighed down with What's happening? This is way more than we can take in. Kind of like in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did the disciples do when Jesus asked them to watch and pray with him? They fell asleep. Again, weighed down. Jonah, we just studied about him last week uh, in, in Bible study. What did he do when, the, when the ship was, there was a big storm threatening to sink the ship he was in because he had run away from God? He sleeps. And so these disciples. So that was not the way to do it. And then Peter, in some misguided zeal, says, I want to preserve this scene. Let's build some huts here. And, and you know, let's keep this alive. This is so wonderful. Not realizing, not understanding that they had to go on. And Jesus had to continue his work of his departure. And they had to go learn about uh, telling people about it. So this was not the way to, to face Jesus. Um, but then we go on when he was saying these things a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were afraid as they went into the cloud and then a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my son whom I love listen to him and after the voice had spoken they found Jesus alone they kept the secret and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen so as if the lightning bright clothes and sun bright face were not enough, now we have the voice of the God the Father from heaven speaking to them, confirming what they had seen and known. This man is my son. This man is the son of God. This man is God. And this command, listen to him. Now, God had revealed his word to people on earth from that, you know, from the very beginning, from the first sin. Adam and Eve, before they sinned, they knew God intimately, so there was no special need of any special kind of communication. But as soon as they fell into sin, all of a sudden they're separated from God. 
But God comes to them, calls them to recognize their sin, and gives them the very first promise that they would be saved. It goes this way. I will put hostility between you, he's talking to the snake at this time, the devil, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he will crush your head, and he will crush his heel. A descendant of the woman who would rescue them from Satan. It's the promise they needed. They had just fallen into the clutches of the devil. The devil's going, ha! I got you there. I've got you trapped. You can't get out of this. Like some evil movie, but even worse. But God says, no, I'm going to send someone who's going to crush the devil and rescue you and bring you back away from his fellowship into my fellowship. It's exactly the promise they needed. They clung to that promise. Passed it on to their children. Some of their children, at least, believed this promise and, and were saved through it. Then God repeated that and expanded it uh, through other people in the Old Testament. Uh, others, you know, the more prophets would follow until finally Jesus came. And so the writer of the Hebrews puts it this way. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets at many times and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Yeah, so when Jesus speaks, he's speaking as the Son of God. And what do we learn from that? Jesus speaking... Jesus speaks God's saving word to us. So we learn these three truths. What now? What do we do with this? As I said before, when we think of Jesus, we often think of, uh, we see a picture of Jesus. Um, <clears throat> for example, he's, uh, you know, a picture on the wall, the famous painting, or he's, gathering children around him. He's a human being. Just go out the door, take two lefts. You will see uh, that. And then that mural there, you'll see Jesus. He's got children gathered around him at one place. He's standing in a boat telling Peter to throw the net out for the big catch of fish in another place. He's, uh, <coughs> uh, I forget the other scenes. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty interesting. But every one of those, Jesus is, he looks every bit, and he is, in fact, the, a true man. But we need to remember that Jesus is much more than a man. His changed face, his lightning uh, look clothes reveal this. And the man who witnessed this write about it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit very convincingly to show us, yeah, this is who he is. So the first thing we need to learn about, to remember about when we face Jesus, when we pray to him, when we think about him, when we talk about him, uh, what, consider what he has done is to remember, see Jesus as the very Son of God. He is the one. When you pray, you're praying to the Son of God. When you talk about what he did, you're talking about what the Son of God did. But Jesus, Moses, and Elijah were standing around and talking there. And what were they talking about? Jesus' imminent departure. They were talking about Jesus 
coming trial, his um, crucifixion, his beatings, his uh, death, his burial in the ground, his resurrection, his ascension into uh, heaven. These are the most important events in all of human history. These are the things that Jesus did that obtain for us, that get us forgiveness of sins, peace with God, eternal life in heaven. How this departure is that important. And they were talking about it. And no one can have the benefits of what Jesus did here without hearing about it. It is not in our nature to know this. It has to be told to us. Um, so we need to talk about it. Do we talk about it? Do we talk to our family, our friends, our uh, acquaintances ab about this? The things that can change people's lives. Um, so the second thing we need to learn about and to remember about is to talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, as we talk about Jesus' death and resurrection, it'll maybe come up to realize, oh, I really don't know as much as I should about this topic. I'd like to know more about what he did and what it means. And I want to live my life for him, but I don't know all the ways that I can and should do that. Uh, the voice from heaven points us in a very good direction when we wonder about these things. Where we can learn more about Jesus, listen to Jesus' words. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record many of the things that Jesus said, Jesus' own words, the ones that are important for us to know, as well as the story that goes around them, the story of his death and his resurrection and his ascension, all these things woven together, those are the important things for us to learn about so we can talk about them. Then come the epistles in the New Testament, many of them by Paul, which explain and apply many of these same teachings. There's a whole Old Testament full of what the prophets have said. And they said many things about kingdoms falling and rising, and, but the most important thing they spoke about was the coming Savior, Messiah in, in pictures and ways that, that can help us even in New Testament times understand it. And then there was all those sacrifices and ceremonies and festivals, which were all pictures that pointed ahead to Jesus. All of Holy Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, talks about or records what Jesus said. Certainly we face Jesus properly when we listen to him. Jesus shows us how to face many things. He shows us how to face ourselves. He shows us how to face shortcomings. He shows us how to face enemies. Maybe most importantly, he shows us how to face him. Seeing him as the Son of God. Talking about his death and his resurrection. And listening to to his words. We praise Jesus for showing us these things. Amen.